some kid in Omaha, Nebraska, and Missouri State's coming after him, and Northern Colorado. Two schools that are on pretty much the same pace as far as where they are in the FCS landscape. I mean, they're both probably at the same win totals over the last four years. You have Bobby Petrino walk into your room, and you have Ed McCaffrey. Whose team are you signing? Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bull, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me today, I have Brian. Good to be here, Chris. And uh, you just, you couldn't keep us away. Uh, Football season might be over, but we have basketball. We have a ton of FCS and Idaho news. So Brian and I were just uh, getting the, the itch to podcast, and so we figured we'd bring you guys one tonight. And like all episodes that you hear on this year's, well, I guess this this school year's, the welcome to 2020, everybody, um, podcasts are still brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. Best part is, when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to local causes, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, a light American lager for Pow Pow Rippers, Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. So, uh, we've got a lot to cover. We're going to be touching on a little bit of men's hoops, a little bit of women's hoops. Uh, we're going to be touching on some of the coaching hirings going around in the FCS, such as like a certain another Petrino um won't touch on recruiting just because we got a whole recruiting episode that will come out after National Signing Day for you guys. Just the FCS in general, there's some some news that we figured might as well talk. We're Vandal-related, but football's a year-round sport. Basketball's current, um, and life is permanent, which leads us to obviously the sad news that came out yesterday um, of former interim AD, Vandal, Moscow Bear, everybody, you know, Pete Isaacson, um, unfortunately passed away earlier than his time. So we want to obviously have our condolences to the Isaacson family and friends um, and, you know, every Vandal that's ever known him. I know I've seen a lot of former players and athletes and coaches tweeting out about how he was a great person, is super supportive of athletics and just the student experience as whole and really embodied everything it was to be a an Idaho Vandal. So, it's sad that we lost him. He was a candidate for the athletic director job before um, we settled on Terry Gallick. Um, but n- seriously, uh, uh, an embodiment of a vandal that's going to be really hard to replace in the athletic department and at the school. But, uh, Brian, I know you, you have a story with him. He took some time with you. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, just, just as reference point, uh, Pete Isaacson passed away based on our recordings. Um, it was January 14th, 2020. And the available news right now is that it was, I mean, he, if, if he was 48 when he passed away. So it was much earlier uh, than you would hope. 
sounds like it was, you know, a health related thing. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a car wreck or something like that. Uh, but my background with Pete uh, was it was pretty it was limited. But my story, which fits in exactly with your description of him, Chris, is last se- two seasons ago when Tubbs the Club was in its first year and I was a listener, uh, Chris wrote an op-ed on TubbsTheClub.com about starting, um, trying to turn the Idaho-Idaho State game into a rivalry. And at that point, um, you know, that the big sky was new to everyone uh, who's who's been a vandal for, other than, you know, like boomers. But yeah, um, I emailed Pete um, lat, two seasons ago and just expressed, hey, Pete, love the work you're doing. Appreciate everything you're doing for Idaho. As a fan, I would love if we could quit scheduling these D- these Division II games and schedule games against teams like Idaho State in our non-conference schedule. Um, and Pete, Pete emailed me back, which surprised me. And instead of just giving me a quick explanation of like, hey, this is why we're doing it, he he invited me to come up to his office and he talked to me for about 30 minutes about football scheduling and about why we schedule the way we do the things he wishes we could do differently, but he went over the entire financial picture of scheduling with me and went over the entire like multi-year process of how far out schedules are made in advance. And really he just did everything he could to make sure that, um, you know, fans like us had a clue about, you know, why Idaho is doing what we were doing the way and what needs to happen for us to, you know, put together things like a better schedule. Um, so, you know, on our end, we're going to, Obviously, we appreciate the work Pete did. It sucks to lose a vandal. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add other than my limited experience with Pete was similar to everything I've heard about him um, in, like, the Lewiston Tribune, which is he was a great guy, cared about Idaho. Yeah. So let's let's jump back into football, and then we'll, we'll finish the podcast off with some basketball talk just because there's so many off-season storylines going on. Obviously, North Dakota State, the big one, just winning their eighth National title in nine years, meaning in the decade. This is how crazy the FCS level's been and how dominant of a program North Dakota State has. There has only been three teams to win a national championship uh, in, in the 2010s. Eastern in 2010, obviously. And then JMU, I believe they won it in 16 was the year they won it. And then the rest of it's just been North Dakota State, which is just so ridiculous. But it, it made me realize when – because obviously some people may know from Twitter and stuff. Some of you might just be listeners. Um, I had the opportunity to go down there again and watch the game. And, you know, it's something I just really, truly hope Idaho gets an opportunity to be a part of someday. Um, it, it, it It's like the Potato Bowl. I mean, I'm not going to blow it up to be something bigger, but it, it is bigger than the Potato Bowl. Uh, my equivalent would be – if Idaho ever had a bowl game against, like, a Boise State in, I don't know, we'll even call it Texas. Like, it was definitely a to-do. People cared. There was tons of fans out. You know, hotels had things lit up on buildings. Uh, hotel room keys were national championship stuff, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but probably more of the most fun stuff was some of the people I got to meet. A lot of the FCS fans nation people uh like not just the admins that i was with but a lot of their fans and you know one of the things that sucked was the question i got the most was so tell us about idaho's fans 
or how how is Idaho's fan base handling the drop? And I just was like, God, this is so because you know I'm around these fans that are at the pinnacle of North Dakota State a little bit less so for like JMU it's like the pinnacle for them in the decade has been like these three these last four years where they've made it to the championship four or three times uh, and you know they're so excited to kind of hear about like another team that you know in theory should be able to compete with the likes of like a North Dakota State in terms of facilities well not quite facilities but you know but funding to the program and you know, we definitely have a talented roster, and it was just so sad to be like, yeah, you know, it's just some of the fans, they don't understand what they could be. They don't understand that this could be them. Like, they could be here and experiencing this right now like you guys are. And I think if every Vandal could see Frisco and how fun it is, like, it, it's not a Rose Bowl, but it's bigger than a potato bowl. Um, it's... It was really cool, and I guess that was the thing I took away was just, like, you had these fans that were, like, genuinely interested in Idaho and my perspective on it, um, and just, you know, I, I didn't have any good news to give them. I was, you know, I, I did the typical stuff that we all know over the year that, like, oh, we believe we're a quarterback away, and um, there's some, you know, some budget, you know, some institutional stuff with presidents and ADs, and we've just kind of dug ourselves in a hole in most of our sports, but... Uh, I don't know. It, it was fun, and I hope someday we can get to do it. And I know uh, this one thing Kyler Neal actually asked me at the game. It's like middle of the game, just turns around and goes, "Be honest with me. Do you think Idaho can ever make it here?" And my response was like, "Well, ever, obviously. Um, like forever is a long time, but uh, yeah, I don't know if we're there in, in the future. You know, just seeing James Madison and North Dakota State in person." Um, we definitely have some work to do, but uh, it was fun, and I told them, you know what, I do think we could do it. Obviously, we have a fan base. Like I, That's the one thing I will say. North Dakota State's fan base is pretty unreal, but we're not far away when we're at full strength. Like um, I've been to our RV lots. I've been to our tailgates. I get it. They're down in Frisco instead of Fargo, but um, – we have the fan base to do it. So I, I just hope that we can get to that point. And it's going to start with players and coaching, obviously, to get some people back. But um, if you're one of those people that's listening that maybe hasn't attended as many games as you used to, I don't know. We just need to get this culture going because, man, I don't know. We could be there. I, do you have any takeaways from the, the national title game other than – I mean, or anything you want to include on it just in generalities? Uh, yeah. Do you care if I ask you a couple questions about it? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah just just flip the script for a second. Yeah. So my so when I watched the championship game, um, I mean, I've been an FCS fan. People on, who've listened to the show know I have a little bit more of an FCS background. Um, so I'm, I'm just happy that we're I'm happy we're in the FCS. I'm happy that we're in a good conference. Um, did you at the end of the season, Chris, you'd seemed like you were a little – there were some parts of the season maybe that had been frustrating from the FCS angle for you. Was Did going to that game – also knowing that, you know, there's the 2.7 million viewers on ABC, like mm. did the idea that this is becoming a bigger event, um, did, did that – was that helpful for you in getting into the game itself? No, definitely. I think the fact that you view – like I still am pretty – pissed about the 16 bowl game where I thought we should have actually gone to the Arizona bowl down in Tucson 
which would have been, I know the big, there was two negatives to that. And one of them was that a lot of people wanted the game to be in Boise, which is not really a negative if you ask me. The players deserve to go to warm weather um, after the season that they had in 2016. But not that Tucson's hot. But um, the other thing was that bowl game was unique in that it was only available for streaming. It wasn't on network TV, which was one of the things I know as like the boosters were concerned about is, you know, we don't really promote our brand because the only people that are going to watch the streamed games are gamblers, you know, just hardcore, hardcore football fans and people that were going to watch the game anyways. You know, Vandals and let's say Colorado State went with us. Colorado State. Um, and so you didn't really get the benefit of being in a bowl game where you get to nationally put on a show. Um, where it's the opposite now with the way they have it, I really love that. It's it's early, and I get that, especially it was early when you're there. And, you know, for us, most of us being in Pacific and Mountain Time, that's an hour or two even earlier for us. But the way that it's on ABC now, and people are tuning into the, like, NFL pregame shows, and you can only listen to the Chiefs, or not the Chiefs, Texans, the uh, Baltimore, whatever, um, Baltimore, Tennessee games, pregame for so long before you see that, like, right below CBS, there's a game on ABC. Uh, so you tune it in. It's college football. It's a really good game. And I think that that's something that we should definitely – it added to it. It felt more like an event. Like, ABC is covering it. The, the company that used to always cover – well, still does – carry the Rose Bowl. Like, this isn't ESPN2 or ESPNU – on a Friday night, this was, you know, a morning noon game on ABC leading into the playoffs. The only game on that day for college, uh, and obviously the viewership showed it was like over one, like one and a half million more than any other game or something ridiculous in the decade. Um, so, yeah, I, it it made it feel bigger and it made you accept it a little bit more for sure. That, you know, the FCS is building something. To where if you are a premier program in the FCS, it is a beneficial place to be. You're going to have to deal with the people that don't know anything that just are going to talk smack and be like, oh, Idaho, are they D2? And, you know, but they're the same people that thought we were D2 when we were in the Sun Belt. So I, I've realized that that argument is lost. Um, and just any way you slice it, we would never we're going to win that. But uh you know, I after that, I remember watching uh, some game or listening to some podcasts, and they were talking about Eastern Washington, and it wasn't an FCS one. Um, it was like the – I think it was the college football playoff, and I think they were talking about maybe Wazoo's replacement and talking about Bo Baldwin and then talking about how Eastern was one of the top teams in the decade. And I was like, dang, this is like – it was ESPN or SB Nation, one of their podcasts, just like really talking about the FCS. Um which is something that maybe I just didn't realize when we were at the FBS level, but um, I think it has a lot to do with a lot of what we've all done. I think, like, between the Big Sky Podcast Network, um, Tubs of the Club, FCS Fans Nation, Hero Sports, like, we've really kind of shined a spotlight on it for some people. Um, and I think it's only going to grow because it is a really cool brand of football. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, it took my long-winded point to – it being on ABC did, I think, make it feel like a bigger deal because I will say this year felt bigger than last year, and I get that the James Madison game is kind of viewed as a bigger game than Eastern, but uh, I don't know if it was just that. I think it was 
ABC primetime Saturday morning. You had NFL coming on after. Um, it, it felt bigger. Yeah, and just so our viewers know, the FCS championship game this year outdrew 21 bowl games. Yeah, including Boise State and Washington with their, uh, you know, the whole – and it's not like it was just Boise State versus Washington this year, right? <clears throat> it was the whole Chris Peterson storyline of him retiring, one of – an iconic coach in college football over the last, you know, 15 years. Um coaching against the team that he made his name for uh, and then the team that he really elevated to a level they hadn't been in two or three decades in Washington. So uh, they had that whole storyline going and we st- it still had more viewers than that. And then I believe it outdrew big names like Iowa and USC. I believe Kyler Neal is the one who pulled all those. But, um, you know, those are at least USC. That's a huge national brand that we outdrew. Um, we as being the FCS so yeah it, it was big and uh, the numbers proved it that more a lot of people tuned in at home and the fact that it was 30 something degrees in ice and snow before kickoff and that stadium still dang near was full I mean it was a sellout but just about every seat was full like even the casual Dallas people that bought tickets were showing up and you know maybe some people that were like I don't know if I actually want to go to this game um, showed up in terrible weather in the first half. So I'd say all in all it was a win, and it just went. It was a great foot forward for the brand, um, which in turn is something I want to talk when we go more into the next year. I always think that the week zero games that the FCS you know pioneered. I remember the first one I watched was North Dakota State versus Montana in Montana. They need more of those week zero games, not like. Delaware versus uh, Missouri State, right? Like, get your big brands, your JMUs, your North Dakotas, states, your Montanas, and do something like they do in the FBS with these Cowboy Classics and all, like the one they do in Atlanta, the Chick-fil-A kickoff or whatever, and have on week zero when you have the spotlight all to yourself again, like you did with the FCS Championship, you should work with ABC and ESPN and get like one or two of those games a big name teams like a you know a James Madison versus Jacksonville State and an Eastern Washington versus um, North Dakota State uh, and get them on prime time just like the FCS championship game because I think if you put some of these best teams forward we really have something going like it's fun to watch yeah I'm a hundred percent with you on that and I think so part of the reason why I wanted to ask you this question Chris is this is a new thing. I think this is a lot of Idaho fans uh, in the transition time. One of the complaints about moving down to FCS is that, you know, the the basic playoff story of, okay, we're in a playoff, but there aren't people watching. Yeah. Uh, but that and that is in the first round, that was true. The, the first round attendance was wretched for the FCS playoffs. But after the first round, you know, as long as the marquee teams are playing, there are people watching. Yeah. And, and I mean, you see that in the what was it the semifinal games that were on ESPN like when I I think you're right and it's not so much people aren't watching it's it's right now it's set up to be so hard for them to watch like people will watch Montana versus Weber when it's on ESPN two or ESPN I don't remember which exact one they were on but you know a channel that most cable packages have, 
on a Friday night all by itself. But, yeah, if you're trying to tell somebody that you're going to watch a first-round game between uh, Pioneer League San Diego versus Northeastern Conference, I don't know, I think Colgate's in the Northeastern Conference, Colgate, like on ESPN3 on a Saturday while the Iron Bowl's going on, then, yeah, people obviously people aren't going to watch that. That could be Montana, North Dakota State, and people are still probably going to tune in to Auburn, Mon- or Auburn, Alabama. But in general, if we have situations like they had in the playoffs where you can kind of isolate time frames and maybe instead of showing – God, it feels bad to kick them after I've, I've definitely supported them a lot over the last two years, like a Sun Belt game, like an Arkansas State versus UL Monroe – Maybe you throw on an FCS quarterfinal game there on ESPN and bump that one to ESPN2 or ESPNU because you're actually going to get a lot better and more competitive football. Maybe not better athletes, but more competitive football and comparable athletes. Um, But, you know, we're not in charge of the FCS. But, yeah, no, I think it goes to show that there's an audience for sure. They just got to figure out how to best frame it. For sure. And Idaho's a long way for being a name brand that could draw in those names too. Yeah, yeah, we are. We there's there's a lot of improvement uh we, we need. I think we're in a good position in being in one of the marquee conferences. But you know, we'll probably transition pretty quick into some of the other football stories. Um we we've got a long ways to go. Yeah. Uh speaking of long ways to go. Um, and kind of a surprise, Bobby Petrino coming out of nowhere today. Um, yeah, for those of you that aren't aware, today being January 15th, Bobby Petrino, Paul's older brother, was named the head coach of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, Missouri State. I believe they're the Bears. Um, but that, I, did you see this coming? I mean, this was. For me, this was a total surprise. I had I did not see this coming at all. I've been trying to get over the end of season cynicism. I think a lot of Vandal fans had, and I didn't see Bobby Petrino doing that. But part of that was selfish because I thought he would get an FBS job. Like I thought he, I thought he'd get an FBS job, and I was also telling myself, you know, if you're a person who wants a new coach, which I was, that's our route. So I kind of told myself, hey, this is our last chance. Um, but that's obviously not the case. And Bobby Petrino is going to have going to be at Missouri State for a couple of years, which is probably good for the FCS. It's always good for for the FCS to get a, a another good coach because even yeah. if you don't like Bobby Petrino, uh, yeah. which people have reasons, it's not like he's been bad. I mean, he's yeah. He, I mean, he was the, the way... head coach at Arkansas and at Louisville be, because he had success. I mean, if you followed Arkansas football on Twitter at all this year, a decent amount of Arkansas people were saying, "Hey, bring Bobby Petrino back." Yeah, no, Bobby is the best way to describe Bobby is it, whatever he touches turns to gold. Um, but it, I would say it turns out to be a bit of fuel, fool's gold. It's like, uh, imagine the feeling of like, uh, you think you found, I don't know, we will say, keeping my analogy, trying to go here on the fly, you think you found a gold ring at a garage sale for like $2 
and you know it's worth $2,000. And so you buy this ring. You're excited. You're like, I'm about to flip this for, you know, two grand. You're walking down the street. Everything looks good. The sun's shinier. You know, all the light, the crosswalks are turning green. You get a walk, no stopping. You get to the store to sell it, and it turns out it's not real. And you realize, like, I, I don't know, not even that. But it, you, it, you go negative. Like, now turns out it's stolen, and you owe a bunch of money because you're, yeah, like, something ridiculous. Like, he takes programs. I think it was Western Kentucky that had won, like, one game, won eight games in one year. You know, he took Louisville the first time. Took him from, like, a 500 team to only losing, like, I think it was nine to ten games in, like, four or five seasons. Like, he uh, – Arkansas, great example. They were, like, the number two or three team in the country in 2009 and 10. Like, they were a powerhouse in the SEC West that people never thought would happen. And you almost were like, how did this happen? Like, this is the same time Alabama's on the – past coming up. They're on the up. If anything, just starting to peak. And you have a number three Arkansas. I think at one point it was like number one Alabama, number two LSU, and number three Arkansas. The SEC West had three teams in the top three. And that Arkansas team was coached by Bobby Petrino. Problem is, what happens? He leaves Western Kentucky. They bring in uh, Brian Harson. Brian Harson coaches for one year, leaves. Now they're kind of in a rut. They're not bad. Jeff Braun came around and kind of fixed it. But same with Louisville. He leaves the first time. They do all right. They kind of fall apart. Hire him again. Now, I believe they have Jeff Brom now. So, or no, they have Satterfield. Um, but it kind of fixes it. Uh, Arkansas, we all know how that went. Like, after him, everything falls apart. Then they hire Brett Belima. Just stick with him because he's a big coach name for like five years. Nothing gets better. Fails. Then this other guy comes in, gets two seasons, canned. So, like, Bobby will win. And you saw it with Louisville. He's the reason he recruited Lamar Jackson. That's a him kind of fine. And I don't think Lamar had a lot of offers. So um, he'll he'll turn it to gold. The problem is when he leaves, things tend to spiral out of control and get bad. Like the Falcons were a great example after a year. But um, for the Missouri State, great hire. Uh, I wouldn't be convinced he stays very long. I mean, he left Western Kentucky and the Atlanta Falcons after one season. The Atlanta Falcons after like four or five games, if I remember right. Um but Missouri State, you think Idaho's in a bad spot. You know, Missouri State's in one of the other big three conferences, the Missouri Football, uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference. They finished 1-7 and seven in conference and 1-10 overall last year. So, you know, at least Idaho is flirting with the possibility each season of being 500 with, you know, let's take out. We probably should have beat Portland State. I think most people would agree with that. And North Northern Colorado, you win the, those two games. We have a 500 season, but you know Missouri doesn't have that. They got killed by like everybody they played. I'm got their schedule up. Their closest game was 17-12 to Illinois State, who didn't make the playoffs, um, and then surprisingly 22-0 against North Dakota State in Fargo, which is surprising. But that's probably a trap game for North Dakota State. That looks like it was like the week before South Dakota State, so. Um. Yeah, uh, good hire. Good for the FCS to have a name. And, you know, he's going to be right in there at Bo Pelini. So another big name in that conference from Power 5. But uh, I'm honestly more surprised Bobby took the job. Because, I, I, I mean, here's a question for you. Do you think the timing of it is ironic 
that he was named almost immediately around the same time Washington State announced their coach. I'm wondering if there was a holdout that he thought about the only – because most of the Power 5 jobs have been filled now. I'm wondering if he thought there was a chance he could get that Washington State job, even though we joked about it. And I think when they hired it, he didn't want to spend another year out of coaching and figured if they call, I'll take it, and it gives me a, another year, but at least I'm coaching. Yeah, well, man, the, it's hard to go over this without circling back to the Paul dynamic, which is just that Paul's there. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, he's. Paul we see a lot though, of coaches get second. Yeah, they get a lot of coaches get second and third chances. Um, there are worse coaches than Bobby Petrino who've been rehired elsewhere. Uh, so yeah, there's a reason. The other finalist was Art Bryles. So they kind of Missouri State is taking the lesser of two evils with that one. I mean, Bobby um, Petrino's a lot of things, but uh, what Art Riles allegedly covered up, um, I don't know if he's ever convicted or anything, so I don't want to slander him, but uh, from what everything looks like from the outside, he did a pretty nasty thing down in Waco. So I, Bobby's a bad person, but he's not that kind of bad person. No, he's not, and I, I don't know enough about Bobby Petrino. I mean, I know there was the motorcycle wreck with an with uh like a co-ed you know a female co-ed mm-hmm. is his big piece of baggage which is look i'm not endorsing whatever relationship dynamic that was but it's not there are a lot of coaches have done worse things I mean, like penn state right now is being investigated for looking past hazing, violent yeah. hazing um, so, you know, Bobby Petrino having a mistress is not that big a deal um, in the world, to me, in the world of coaching at this yeah, point. Yeah, it sounds like Tom Herman had one, and they pretty much, it wasn't even swept under the rug. They just let the media talk about it and then just said, all right, eventually you're not going to talk about it because we're just not going to turn it into something. So, yeah. Um, so, I guess, you know, to at least from my end, um, if Missouri State, I'm guessing Missouri State's athletic de- department was viewing this as, hey, we've got to get ourselves out of the cellar. How can we make this job more attractive for the next coach? And yeah. one way to do that is get someone who can at least bring talent in. Yep. And Bo- Bobby Petrino can recruit players. Yeah, even on the name. It, not even the fact that we know he can evaluate players. Um, the fact that just on the name alone, like but looking at the other – you know, people he's going to be recruiting against, for instance, like a SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Mm-hmm. I, Bobby Petrino walks into my living room. I don't even know who SEMO's coach is, you know. Like, I'll be like, wait, you're the guy who coached and recruited Heisman winning quarterback Lamar Jackson, the guy who's going to win NFL MVP most likely? Like, oh, dang, you know. That's, that's a whole different can of worms. And – out recruiting Southern Illinois, South Dakota, Indiana State. Um, like, the only guy who could maybe walk into a living room in that conference with more, you know, atteste would be, like, Bo Pelini and obviously Matt Entz because he can just go eight rings at North yeah. Dakota State. For those of you that don't know, Bo Pelini's at Youngstown. Uh, Matt Entz is at North Dakota State. But otherwise – the rest of that conference, he should be able to beat out everybody else just on name and shock value alone on every recruiting battle. 
I also think from the Idaho perspective, we're we are a lot of our fans are probably like me and they're just jaded by the name Petrino. Yeah. Um, and from the Idaho end, there's reason to be a little bit jaded, but again, like Bobby Petrino's a, he has a very, he has a well over 500 record as coach. He's, he's at least one a bit every place he's been at. And that's probably putting it way too mildly. Um, so I, I think it's again like the basic point. It's it's great for the FCS to have another good coach. Um, I, I I'm curious to see how Montana does when they take on Missouri State this next season. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so the Petrinos are all Montana people. That's probably why I bring that yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, which God, that's such a interesting. Name. I realized that too the other day. That's for a different. That like look at some of our best coaches. Um, usually went to other schools, uh, like Dennis Erickson and uh, John L. Smith. Uh, John L. Smith went to Weber, and Erickson went to Montana State, which people forget about because they're just known, like notoriously, as Vandals. Um, but um, another shocker. Um, actually, here's a fun one for you, just real quick. Who is at their job longer, Bobby or Paul? Oh man! Um, so the the subtext of this Over is under, what, four seasons. Three okay, seasons. that was gonna say the question is: Are you talking about compared to Paul right now, or you're saying who who leaves their current job first? Yeah, which all fingers in the Vandal fan base, right or wrong, would point to Paul being fired, and whether the athletic department has not even the cojones, the the backers and funding to pull the trigger on a rather large buyout early of contract. Now, he could turn it around and actually leave based on somebody else wanting him. Um, but I think you view that as Paul's probably, even with a good season this year, probably it needs at least two seasons before anybody else is offering him anything even close to something he would take, um, unless it's Bobby. Uh, and... I'm just not convinced Bobby Petrino is going to be there more than two seasons. I think this I, is totally a placeholder for him. And I guess my point was, do you think do you think he stays longer? I didn't even look at how long his contract is, but I imagine it's probably – Five years. Yeah, I was going to say, four to five years. And I think we – I just don't know. Does Paul get fired or contract run out while Bobby's still there? Or does – hopefully for all of our sakes, Paul actually turns this ship around <laughs> – and we, uh, maybe he gets hired by somebody as like a Bo Baldwin as an offense coordinator at a power five, power five again without being under his brother, or possibly another FCS head coaching job. Um, yeah, especially with I don't know. I thought it would have been interesting with Choate if Choate had got the Wazoo job because I know he was named as a short um, list finalist. What would have happened? Like, is that something where they even call Paul at Montana State? But I don't know. But it doesn't matter because it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I guess real quick, who's there longer, Bobby or Paul? In your mind, all things considered. All things considered, I think we're more likely that Paul stays in place longer. I mean, we've seen Bobby leave after one year. Mm-hmm. His Four salary games. is <laughs> two fifty for five seasons, which 
means his buyout, if he were to leave, is not going to be that much for, you know, based off the what head coaching money looks like. So, yeah, I'd expect whoever the person who should who I expect to leave first would be Bobby. So do you, it's kind of funny. This is probably the first time in their career. Paul makes more money than Bobby Petrino based, you know, not including Louisville's buyout. Who's because obviously Louisville's still paying him for like three or four seasons. Jesus Christ. So he's making problem. a hefty amount off Louisville still. But uh, as far as base salary and everything, Paul's making almost double as much as Bobby. Like, in a yeah, way, Missouri is. State got a freaking steal. I mean, I think that's the only way they could afford him was he's like, I still have four years of, like, a million coming to me from Louisville. So, you know, in a way, he's making, like, $1.2 million a year to be Missouri State's head coach, which is insane to think about. But I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But is it as interesting or as crazy as Bo Baldwin leaving Cal to come – former Eastern Washington head coach, national championship winning coach, to take the job at Cal Poly. Which, side note, Bo Baldwin, after signing at Cal Poly, was list, shortlisted by some people for the Washington State job. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Jake Heaps up here in Seattle was tweeting that nonstop. And it was, like, almost frustrating me because, like, every time somebody would comment, like, dude, he just took the Cal Poly job, like, two weeks ago. And he'd be like, so – he would jump at the opportunity to go back to a Power 5 job and da-da-da-da-da. I'm not getting an argument with Jake Heaps because he's, you know, a five-star quarterback and radio personality out here in Seattle, and I think he even made a pro roster for a hot minute. But, oh, yeah, he was on the Seahawks. But uh, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, he just left Cal as an offensive coordinator. I get that this is a head coach job, but there's so much different stuff going on there. Like, Wazoo would absolutely refuse another Eastern Washington, like the fan base, because they think it's going to be another Paul Wolf, especially when he just brought Paul Wolf on at Cal Poly, which then makes an interesting dynamic of does he bring back Paul Wolf to be like an offensive coordinator, O line, you know, run game coordinator at Wazoo? And how would that whole dynamic have worked? So I thought the Bo Baldwin thing was a little like it, there was too much there, just taking a new job. All the Eastern ties. Wazoo had a terrible experience the last time they hired Wazoo coach, many of which they blame for the reason they were in the cellar, but they were already on their way to the cellar when they got rid of Doba. But uh, um, I, I just, I'm surprised. I know that the, everything we heard is that Cal Paul or Cal, University of Cal Berkeley was not going to renew his contract as offensive coordinator, so he was pretty much out of a job, not fired, but he was not going to be retained which is why he made the jump to Cal Poly. But I'm just thinking, like, if you're Bo Baldwin, you could have had just about your pick of litter of jobs in the FCS. Like, why Cal Poly? I know, like, obviously location. You're in one of the big three conferences. But, man, I know Sac State and UC Davis made some turnarounds, but Cal Poly is a different animal. They've been built for 10 years now to be a triple option team, and now they're going to go to a spread. Like, this isn't taking a spread team, inserting Dan Hawkins, who's a better coach at that, and it working. Like, this is an entirely different concept, going from run first to pass first. It's a factory reset. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I know he probably got a nice 10-year deal like Troy Taylor, so he knows he's got the time, but I don't know. I just, like, 
Cal Poly is what you took. Like, I not that I would take the Northern Colorado job over Cal Poly. Um, just based on money and everything that if you get that program winning, it should be able to generate. But I don't know. Like McNeese is available. Uh, I Montana State was darn near close to being available with Choate. Like, and you took Cal Poly. I just – it, it it baffles me that you went – you left Eastern on your own terms to take a Power 5 job, and then you come back to the FCS and you take a arguably bottom three team in the big sky of all time. Like, they are not typically very good ever. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> now, for just the big sky angle – it's uh, this is similar to how you know Bobby Petrino is a big pickup for any FCS team, um, and it's positive for the Missouri Valley that they have another good coach in there. It's great to me for the Big Sky that we have another good coach running one of the lower programs, which should hopefully increase it, it, raise the floor of the Big Sky. Yeah, you because know, I don't know if was Cal Poly one of the games you skipped out on this last year. Yes. Okay, you, you made a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, Cal Poly was awful to watch. The most boring team in playing one of the most boring games I've ever seen. I've never been less ecstatic after a win. Cal Poly, I mean, they, they've got some, they've got location. They've got, they've got a good coach. Well, they've got a good coaching staff because Paul Wolf, this is another weird thing about coaching where you can be a head coach, do well as a head coach, but then if in your next stop you don't do well, you are no longer considered head coaching material. Yeah. Like uh, Paul Wolf is a good coach yep. at the FCS. Uh, we would have, if, if Paul Petrino had left or been fired, Paul Wolf would have made my, probably my five shortlist. I actually made one. I don't remember where it went, but like Paul Wolf, well, he, he built Eastern to where it is. I mean, Bo Baldwin got him the championship, but Paul Wolf made that program relevant. And you think you put him back with that chip on his shoulder to kind of prove, like, Washington State's his alma mater, so he's not going to hate him. But, like, you talk about a guy that when we play Wazoo that first year, there's a real good shot we actually beat them, especially with Leach gone now. Like, for him, that would have been such a revenge game. And when we talk about not being able to beat our rivals, like Boise State and Montana, God, we haven't beaten Wazoo since, like, 97. Like, and we've played them more frequently than the other schools, including Boise State. Like, that's insane. I mean, it makes sense, the talent differential and money differential, but, like, for something that's actually legitimately a rivalry and the school, the other school will admit it, um, man, I, like, Paul Wolf would have been one of my top ones. But, yeah, you're right. Like, he has one great head coach at uh, Eastern, goes to Washington State, struggles uh but you know it's an alma mater which um one of uh tj's and i's friends who's in coaching has always said like in a way he never wants to be the idaho head coach because like i mean look at tom cable for us like it's he's our tom cable except i think he's more competent than tom cable like tom cable left idaho legend as a player comes back a couple decades later can barely step foot in the town anymore because people blame him, including me, for how, where our program is today. And it's like coaching your alma mater is not fun because, like, 
if usually when you leave, they love you. And if you come back and lose, like, all that love's gone. And that's where Paul Wolf was at with Wazoo. But in general, he's had a really good career. And he was just helping out at Sac State this year. And we all know how Sac State turned out. Like, I don't know. I think it was just a bad luck of the draw. It's hard to coach at your alma mater. And you're right. Like, he's not viewed as a head coach anymore. Even Which, though I think a lot of programs, like if I'm Missouri State, that's a better hire in my opinion. Like to go get a Paul Wolf. I mean, I know he probably doesn't have the recruiting ties down there, but and Bobby does, so maybe not. But I don't know. If you're Northern Colorado, for example, I would have gotten Paul Wolf and not McCaffrey because I think McCaffrey will help with recruiting. But you tell Paul to bring him in as like an offensive coordinator, not head coach, because I don't think I think he is going to get out coached in every game this year. Ed McCaffrey? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea what his coaching is going to look like. This, is, this will be his first college coaching job. Uh, but jumping back to Cal Poly, it's a home run for Cal Poly. Yep. I think it's a home run for the big sky to just have another good team, potentially. And I I think, you know, if you're, if you're an Idaho fan, you're an Idaho State or Montana fan, those three California schools in the last three years, UC Davis, Sac State, and Cal Poly, they all three have now risen from the cellar to uh, games you have to circle on the calendar now. Yep. Um, which is crazy because they used to all be cellar dwellers, which is lucky. I mean, you just touched on it. If you're one of the traditional schools in the big sky, Montana, Montana State, maybe a little less because they seem to be on the up and up. But, like, in eastern Washington and us, um, that's your competition right now. Like, all three California schools could be extremely good in the coming years. Uh, and if we're not careful, we're going to take their spot, us and Idaho State down there at the bottom. But um, what I have faith we'll get into recruiting and – everything obviously in podcasts to come so this isn't what doom and gloom by any means but uh i don't know you got any other did we touch on all the football stuff i think we said we were going to touch on uh i mean we we talked about ed mccaffrey for about four seconds anything you want to go over with ed mccaffrey other than okay my take on ed mccaffrey for northern colorado is it was a big splash yep. to just get the name northern colorado had pretty low tier t- I know they beat Idaho but you it was not possible to watch Northern Colorado last year and not flag that they are one of the clearly worst yeah. teams in the league. There's a reason why Idaho was favored by like 18 and a half in that game. That's it, objectively speaking a spread over 17 is considered an, an ass kicking. It's hard to place a lot of spreads 20 plus unless you're like one versus 70 but if you're considered both middle of the pack and you're getting a 17, 18 point spread on the road, like you, the team that's the dog or favorite is significantly better. And we choked. It's, I mean, we're up 24 seven at halftime or whatever it was. Like we choked that game. The Northern Colorado did not win that game. We lost that game. Exactly. Northern Colorado was objectively bad. They are bad in the – to me, they're bad in the southern Utah sense. and They're not bad in the Idaho sense. So I know Idaho finished tied for uh, second to last in the conference. Um, but Idaho – Idaho had – we've talked about this. Idaho has good players. Idaho isn't a complete team, but we have talent. 
we just need to surround. We just need to build the rest of our roster. Northern Colorado starting over because they had essentially nothing. So as far as for so for them, uh, winning the headline was a big deal. But they're they're going to have to be able to recruit in a way they haven't in the last decade if they're if this hire is going to matter. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, as far as that the Ed McCaffrey goes, like you said, I mean, big name. It's kind of what we said with Bobby Petrino, like except in the state of Colorado, where I'm assuming Northern Colorado gets a lot of their talent from. Um, that's a big name, you know. Obviously, all three of his kids. Went to Power Five schools, and one of them's a freaking stud in the NFL. Obviously, he was a stud in the NFL. So on name basis, great. But I'm still not sure. Let's say, God, what's the state between the two? Like uh, Nebraska. You put some kid in Omaha, Nebraska, and Missouri State's coming after him, and Northern Colorado, two schools that are on pretty much the same pace as far as where they are in the FCS landscape. I mean, they're both probably at the same win totals over the last four years. Yeah. Um, you have Bobby Petrino walk into your room, and you have Ed McCaffrey. Whose team are you signing with? I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. I'd be going to Missouri State. Because at the end of the day, I go, Ed McCaffrey's cool, and I'm glad I got to meet him. And he's probably an electric personality. But, like, there's something to be said about, like, I'm a proven winner. And I know how to evaluate talent. Like, people I evaluate go to the NFL. Ed McCaffrey just has three kids that went to the NFL. Like, he knows how to, like, breed talent and train it. But he doesn't have 18 years with these guys. He has four to five. So, I, I don't know. I, I would take, if you walked into my room, I'm living in Omaha, Nebraska, I'd be going to Missouri State over in northern Colorado. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Now, I mean, maybe in a year, uh, if Ed McCaffrey looks like he's as good a coach as Northern Colorado is hoping he is, you know, maybe they can be a team that looks like they're moving out of the cellar. Uh, but I'm going to be cautious about any sort of elevation of Northern Colorado, you know, until, until we actually see some yeah. wins. Because, I mean, who are they going to vault? You know, they should be above Southern Utah, but Southern Utah just looks god awful. Yeah. I think uh, NAU is going to. They're in for a rough year, I think. And they, I agree with that. Idaho State is kind of starting over. Yeah. There will be but, an interesting one for sure. No one really knows what Idaho State will be. Will, will they rebuild and, or will they fall apart? Yeah. Uh, and we'll have a lot of offseason episodes to talk about that one. Uh, but, I mean, I wouldn't put Northern Colorado over Cal Poly right now. Um, I certainly wouldn't put Northern Colorado after the hire. I mean, I wouldn't put Northern Colorado Especially over. No Jacob Nip, like they and Milo Hall, like they lost two of the best players probably ever. <laughs> and you know, and like and they finished tied for last. Yeah, and what are they going to do without those guys? Like Jacob Nip has an outside shot of making an NFL roster. That's who you had at quarterback, and you could barely win three games. Like. Now you're going to have some new person. I mean, maybe you have the next Jacob Nip or Case Cookus or Eric Berrier on your roster. Um, tell you one thing. I'll take CJ. I'll take any of our quarterbacks, including Mason, um, probably over anybody they're going to have starting next year. I just don't think there's any way they could have gotten quarterback talent. Unless 
Max McCaffrey or whatever transfers from Michigan for some god reason. <laughs> like, he thinks Harbaugh just has not been giving him the time and wants to go play for dad. Like, I don't think Northern Colorado's going anywhere. No. Uh, we're, we're in complete agreement on that. But that leads me to a separate question I got for you. How good I know we're still a long ways away from getting back into next season, but tell me how good it feels to be done with quote unquote the dead horse. Good. It's so good. It feels like it's a whole like here's a, a question back at you and then I'll kind of complete your question. Did I know you weren't on the podcast, so maybe you have a different view on this. It felt like the eighteen season and the nineteen season were the same season. 100% agreement. It, I mean, actually, that we're going to get to basketball in a little bit. This is what you just talked about is part of why basketball has been hard for me to get into as much this year, which I, I have. You know, just come come clean. I had to cleanse my system a little bit before heading back into, <clears throat> into basketball. But, yeah, I mean, we saw in 2018 about what Mason could do. He he repeated the same thing. And one of the worst things in sports isn't to be on a downward trend. It's for your team to be in stasis. Yeah. And that's what we were for the last two years. We were just kind of running in place. I think there are a lot of fans who got to a point where, I mean, some people just tuned out, like you talked about the tenants earlier. I also think some people really got to a point where it was cynical as in like, hey, we want to root for the Vandals, but we don't want to root for this. Yeah, it sort of feel like a joke too, kind of like you. Sometimes you had to be like, "This isn't actually real. Like this can't actually be happening. This is, this is D one level football." We, I think, did our best to not obsess about the issue. I also think that we did our best to just talk about the games. But I can tell you, our team being a joke because of that was fatiguing. Yeah, nationally. Yes. And we were not the only people who flagged that as a problem. Um, actually, every, just about all local media in the big sky, that was a joke. Yeah. Mason playing the way he did. It, it just didn't feel real. But that's why, like, I, I mean, I know I had high hopes. And, you know, I had to explain this a lot because I got a lot of heat for some of the episodes that we do from, you know, people. But part of – well. I guess I view our job here on this totally free podcast for you guys <laughs> is in a way is to be unpaid spokespeople for the university of Idaho. Like our goal is to hype the team and the games and we can say they suck, but like, we're never going to like totally expose like how angry we are with stuff, which is amazing because we definitely had some slip ups for sure. But like, yeah, Part of the reason we predict games to be close or, you know, us winning is because, like, people want to be excited. Like, we don't want to be like, ah, oh, don't even tune in. Like, part of our job is to keep you excited. Like, I, I have to admit that some things I say on here aren't exactly what I believe. But to for the sake of entertainment, like, you don't want to hear TJ, Brian, and me agree on everything. Some things you do, but, like, at some point, you got to have portraying interest. But it's like coming in this year, I definitely kind of drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid. But to be fair, and I think you would agree with this, after listening to Lloyd Hightower um, and Noah Johnson at Media Days, 
it was pretty easy to have a little bit of that Kool-Aid because they sounded focused and the team sounded ready. And from what we had heard, everybody we had coming in with Noah Ellis and the Rufia brothers, it seemed like this team was ready to take a huge step forward. Not playoffs. I think we all said, like, they're probably not making the playoffs, but we thought they would take a step forward. Maybe not even win as many, like, win the same amount of games, which we did, but it would be more like we felt like we were really close. I know people hate that term because Paul used it forever. The, we're real close. Um, but it didn't feel like that. We felt like we lost two games. It felt like we escaped Northern Arizona. Um, and it just felt like the same season. We're now, like you said, we beat the dead horse. We went right back and started beating it again, pulled it out of the closet, drug it through the mud, and got a couple more waxing on it. But, uh, yeah, it feels refreshed. Like, it feels like a page's turn. I'm excited for CJ to come in. I'm excited to see Nikhil advance. I'm excited to see if Colton Richardson is healthy for a whole season, what he can do. Like, there's so much exciting at just one position, not to mention, like, all the running backs we have coming back and uh, how stacked our defense is with some of these guys coming back from injury, like Charles Acano. Like, there's so much to be excited for. It feels like a new season, and we have so much young talent on this 2011 or 2020 squad coming up. Love it. I mean, we'll see. Grades are going to come out. You know, obviously, they just finished the semester, and they have summer coming up, so, like, people transfer. I know – God, about in a month, I'll have to probably record another podcast talking about all the people that transfer or, you know, have left the team. Um, but I don't know. It, it feels new. It feels refreshed. Like, even some of my Paul resentment from how last season went has, like, kind of turned into, like, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do um, with a clean slate. For me, <clears throat> the Idaho State game was the first time – in two years that I felt like I could just be a completely uncynical fan and be just happy about what was going on. Mm-hmm. I am hoping that we, I, I, on our episode with Colton, I talked to, I asked him the question of like, Hey, how should fans forgive Paul? And the truth is like, it doesn't really matter if we forgive Paul. Um, if you want your experience as a fan to be, uh, fun. You, you just need to accept that, hey, in sports, we get New Year's and we need to hope this year is better than next year or that this year is better than the year before. We have one fewer thing to be frustrated about, and that has to be a win. And yeah, man, when when we are a, I don't know where I'm going, man, when. Sorry, dude, you're fine. I just lost him. I'm just happy that we don't have that. The, this is one less thing to be agitated about. I think we just need to keep getting some of these things taken off the table and it'll be easier to be a Vandal fan. It's been a really rough two decades. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, look at it. What? 1990 or 1990. Night had 2000. Um, God dang, time's flying by. But yeah, 2000 is, I believe, the first year. We started to suck, correct? Isn't that Cable's second season where, like, we officially won one game for the first time in, like, 30, 40 years? 2000 Idaho Vandals. Let's podcast secret here, being able to talk slow and type. 
the 2000 Idaho Vandal football team finished five and six. So uh, it's right when the decline started. It was Cable's first season. Um, and then in 2001, we went that, yeah. one and Yeah, 01 is when it went to hell. Yeah, so we were – 2000 was like our last year of thinking like, oh, we had a down year. We're going to bounce back. And then it turned into, holy crap, we stink. Yeah, I it feel it's, it's a new decade. I've got a lot of faith in what's going to happen. I love Terry Gallick. love Scott Green. Like, we'll see. Um, but the University of Idaho is not just uh, Vandal football. We got some men's hoops. You have probably followed it a little bit more than me, obviously. I And just in general, you're a bigger basketball fan. But, I mean, any major takeaways from... I mean, I think we obviously haven't really had a real big basketball preview, but they're doing better than I thought they would do. I mean, are they doing better than you thought they would do? I thought we were going to win maybe... I mean, I guess we still could. I was going to say five games the whole season, and right currently we've won five games, but you think we're going to be able to sneak up on somebody down the line. Yeah, so the first thing all fans need to know, the big sky is trending upward for basketball this year. Yeah, The conference is the number 17th uh, ranked RPI-wise, which puts uh, the big sky above Conference USA. It's above the Big West. It's above the Big South. It is below the Mountain West, but it's also significantly above the whack this year, uh, which is big for the big sky. I mean, the, the takeaway is the conference as a whole is stronger, even if the best team in the big sky isn't better than the best team last year. So phase one, the floor of the big sky has improved. That means a lot of the schools, their, their coaching hires, you know, Idaho state hired a new coach last season, Montana state hired a new coach. The, some of those hires are looking all right. Now for us, we're we are five and ten overall. Uh, we're three and ten versus Division one, so that part hasn't really improved yet. Uh, Zach Kloss is doing a pretty good job of making himself look like a candidate for next year, based off the team playing hard, based off some of the defensive improvements that we're seeing. Now offensively, we're still pretty bad. Uh, some of that's Zach Kloss, some of that's not. But just looking at Big Sky player right now, we're one and three in Big Sky, but we actually have a positive scoring margin because uh, our three losses were by a combined six points. Yeah, and um, God, I remember it. was it Sean uh, who brought up how yeah, like, and like I said, I didn't watch any of these games, so I could be totally wrong. But if you lose three games by one possession, like. Some of that is just bad luck. Um, you'd think if you have three games that are one possession, there's a chance you win at least one of the, one of the three. Um, in fact, if we went zero and three, it's just kind of bad luck. It's and it sounds like was it the Idaho State game where we fouled with like a couple seconds left on an eighty-eight percent free throw shooter or something? That was Montana State, and that yeah, that was. Oh man, um, yeah, we fouled one of the a guy who's going to be all league. Uh, the I'm I'm not trying to replay all the games, but yeah, I you know you're. We've lost by six total points in Big Sky play. 
if you're losing, if you lose three games by six total points in basketball, I mean, any one of those games could have gone the other way with a single made shot on by your team or a single missed shot by the other team. So like against Idaho State, we lose by two. Could we have won that? Yes. Uh, at Weber State, Weber State's down this year, but still uh, they're, they're not awful. We lose by one point. You know, this either of those games, if we make a single shot that we missed, then then suddenly we're looking at being three and one. Which is crazy that Weber is in last place right now in the conference. That's, yeah. That's crazy because Weber is notoriously like you're one or two. Like they are usually solid. Um, but yeah, that that's. That one shocked me when I pulled up the standings. I thought maybe I pulled up the women's standings because I was like, Weber at the bottom. That yeah. that can't be right, but it is. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, for me this season, and I did need a little bit of time to get into this team. So I'm, I got to tell you, after we opened up losing to Central Washington, 81-88, exhibition game, of course, so it didn't count, and then losing to LCSC, 88-73, I was turned off. And I, I think part of it was the year before we saw what losing to NAIA teams, even if it's exhibition, means. And I had to recalibrate what I'm looking at for this season. So I've been trying to look at this season as in what is translatable for next season when we will have whoever's going to be our head coach for the foreseeable future will be hired at the end of the season. We do have some things to look forward to uh, that relate to this roster. Yeah. But, yeah, because I remember I got to watch them at Seattle U. And they were only – they only traveled like seven or eight guys. Like, they are so injury-ridden and transfer-ridden. Like, like you said, with Zach Kloss, what he's been able to do with how many things have happened in this program and not even a whole calendar year right now is insane. And – the fact that, you know, they went to Seattle U and, uh, you know, competed uh, is insane to me. Because, like, I was watching that and until about, you know, late in the second half. It was close the whole game. And I just – you're just watching it. Like, two subs. And I don't know. I mean, do you think Kloss is the guy? I mean, we'll see. There's still a whole – like, half a season left. But – I mean, has he done enough that not to say we wouldn't obviously do a whole do our all our research and do a full scale search, but I mean it, he couldn't be that bad of a hire, I don't think. I think we need to do a national coaching search, no question. Yeah. And I think Klaus needs to be included as one of our you know, a candidate to look at. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't, one of the things I want to be cautious about is getting too ecstatic about being not very good because we were just wretched last year. Um, he does have three D1 wins. Now, the team is probably doing what they need to do, which is, you know, every team has their own motto each season. This season's team, I believe it's like win the day or something like that. And they treat each win like it's a real big deal, which is probably the right thing to do with this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Zach Kloss, I don't know what else he's supposed to do to at least make himself viable uh, with the diminished roster he's had. A lot of that's due to injury. Um, 
but I, I think he's got to be thought of as a potential candidate. Now, we also have to see what kind of applicants we can get uh, because I don't think fans should be – I don't think fans should make a decision on him either way when we're 3-10 and 10 against D1 teams. Uh, but next season, we do have a couple things just look for for next season and throughout the rest of this season. One, uh, just enjoy Trayvon Allen while he's here. He's averaging 19 a game. Um, he's not he's you know, he's a senior. He won't be here next year. Um, he's the number one scorer on the team. He's the cl- clearly the the offensive leader of the team. Just enjoy him while he's here. But for next season, uh, Jack Wilson looks like he is a year away, but he looks like he could be very good. Um, he had missed the last two seasons with a back injury. So you can tell when you watch him, his feet are just a half step behind his brain, <laughs> which he which means he gets into foul trouble. But he's he's good. Uh, he's seven foot and an athlete. He's not just seven foot and tall. Um, he's he's going to be a real good big sky player next year. Uh, we're going to have Markel Frazier back next year. He's Markel Frazier, I think, is our best player this season. Uh, he. He got a medical red shirt, I believe, last year, so he should he should be back for next season. Um, he's our best guy at putting ball on the floor. Um, if B.J. Simmons ever gets back in, you know, he's a sophomore from junior college. He's average. He averaged ten in pretty limited run uh, in in the out of conference schedule. If he can get healthy, he's a guy who could be a, a big sky contributor next year. Uh, one of the things we're just going to have to do for next season is we're going to have to get some shooting. We just don't have enough shooters. Um, so it's it's very hard to win basketball today when you're scoring 55, 65, when you're scoring below 70, uh, which is you can look at through our season. That's kind of our threshold. If we can get to 70, we're OK. We just haven't got to 70 enough. Yeah. Um. Men's team is a is a developing story, that's for sure. Uh, you know, and for you guys out there, hopefully we have this out tomorrow. Go check out they're at home against Eastern Washington at uh, seven thirty Pacific time in Cowan Spectrum, um, and then on Saturday we're at Montana State. So you know, if you're in Missoula area, go check them out. Might as well support the team. It's they're still vandals, and they're still you know they're about to be your same alma mater. Um, all these student athletes, so. Go show them some support. Watch them on Pluto. Plus, those are two rivalry games. They should be interesting. Montana's number one in the conference right now, so that one, yeah, at least you get to watch a really good team. Eastern's pretty middle of the pack. Um, but uh, it takes us to the, the women's team. Um, they're looking just like they should for a year where we're supposed to be rebuilding, actually. Uh, you know, you lose two stars, which we'll talk about here in just a second for some of you that are jumping out of your seat going, how have you not mentioned this yet? Um, you know, eight and five, three and one in conference. Uh, their only conference loss is to Portland state. Um, and I mean, they just, they're taking care of business again. <laughs> like in all sense of the word, I would, I don't know if they'll win the conference tournament this year, but they could be the type of team that this year wins the Big Sky again, gets a one seed, maybe a little too young. Um, they do have some studs like Beyonce and uh, Gina Markson, but uh, I, I think we're still a year away on the women's team from really getting back to the NCAA's. Um, but have you have you had a chance to tune in to any of the women's game? I mean, I I know 
I got to go watch him against Seattle U, which went to like double, triple overtime, which is where I was like, this team can ball. Um, it has some really good players, but I don't know how much you've tuned in. I I haven't seen a ton of the women's. I've yeah. seen what I've mostly watched is the men's team. Yeah. But I know you saw this news today. The Ringwood Hawks, a professional basketball team in Australia, has just signed not just Taylor Pierce, but Michaela Ferenz to their team. So if any of you are taking trips down to Australia, I have no idea where Ringwood is. But uh, directly from their Twitter account, this week the Hawks announced the signing of two of the greatest three-point shooters in the history of college basketball. The University of Idaho's Michaela Ferenz and Taylor Pierce. For the full story, head over to the Hawks' Facebook page. Um, so that's a really cool deal that you know we have two women playing professionally, and I believe Michaela was playing in, like, I don't know, Estonia or Latvia or Luxembourg or some kind of off-the-wall European country, I believe. Um, and then to be able to get signed with Taylor or whichever one, you know, the two of them go to the same place, that's really special. Um, and I'm, I'm not convinced it happens that often. And for them, that's a great deal. I'm talking Ringwood in this point because, like, they brought up, I believe it was Michaela who was at the three-point shooting contest last year. Like, they're studs. And um, to get both of them is really cool. It's great for the university. Uh, hopefully it leads to where in the offseason they're able to come back and do some, you know, PR kind of stuff because I know they, they like the university. So that was big news. Um, the women also have Eastern Washington the day before – uh, or, or sorry, two hours before the men. So you might as well show up early, watch them play Eastern Washington tomorrow, 5.30 Pacific time. Um, and then they have, have the Grizzlies on Saturday uh, at 2 p.m. at home in the KB Dome. So sorry, countless spectrum. So go check out the women. Uh, if the men have got you down, they can ball. Beyonce for days, she is a stud. So is Markson. But um, – that's all I have about women's basketball. I figured they're doing so well. I'm like you. I don't. I haven't watched a ton. I watched them in person, and they definitely impressed. But um, I haven't really sat down and just watched a ton of their games. But uh, I, I know enough to know that they're killing it. I mean, three and one in conference, two absolute studs on the roster to replace two girls who are now playing professionally. They're a solid program that are always going to be there, and we got to support them. Um, much like we did, I think it was women's cross country in the early 2010s. Like if you have a program that's rocking, support it because, um, obviously we know how hard it is to win championships in any sport. Yeah. I mean, the, the women's team is, it's, I, I know it's not the women's basketball team is obviously not like the marquee sport for the university, but they are the best program we have right now. Yeah. And exciting. Like, they play an exciting brand of basketball. I mean, this, they were called the Splash Sisters for a reason. I, I know. Yeah, they like, play real fast pace. And uh, John Newley lets some people have very green lights. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fun. That's probably what makes it fun. Yeah. And uh, if you want to support the women's basketball team and show your pride, shameless plug, you can head over to teespring.com backslash tubs at the club. Uh, and go pick yourself up a new era shirt, uh, newly era, um, or any of the other awesome apparel we have there at the Tubs of the Club store. 
the more you guys buy, the easier it's going to be for us because I guess our plan for you guys is right now, obviously, we were using a really random company called Teespring, which takes a little bit of the control over like shipping and discounts to you guys out of our hands. Uh, we're not touching any of the profits ourselves. Uh, everything we sell on that store right now is going to be reinvested into tubs of the club to hopefully be able to launch our own apparel and print it ourselves. Um, that way we have a little bit more control and be able to have lower prices for you guys. So buy now and, you know, support what we're doing because, uh, you know, we're hoping to make really cool stuff for you guys for decades to go. So, and every little bit helps, but, uh, Shameless plug there. Any other basketball, football, FCS, general vandal news you want to cover before we do a sign-off? Uh, Matt, no, I think we're good. Uh, you know, again, with basketball, the, the thing to watch for the big sky right now is the next question. In the same way that for football, the question for the big sky is, like, how how do we get a team, like, into the championship? The question in basketball is, how do we get the big sky's next NCAA tournament win? Because there's money that comes from that, which will help all of the all the programs in the Big Sky. Our team, our conference being number 17 RPI, is a huge step forward in one of our teams getting a four, you know, a 12 to 14 seed instead of a 15 or 16 seed. Uh, so, Big Sky story is how do we get our next NCAA tournament win? Idaho's not going to be there for a while. Uh, so right now. It's really like, is Montana going to be good enough? Yeah. Or is, is Eastern going to be able to be good enough? Followed eventually by our coaching search. That's what we got for you guys. We obviously covered a multitude of different topics today. Uh, so make sure you guys let us know. Obviously, this will come out on our Twitter. Uh, but tweet at us individually or at the Tubs of the Club account. DM us, whatever. Do you guys like this style of podcast where Brian and I more give you like, a random news dump after a week or two, or um, is this something where you you guys really like the weekly basketball podcast, especially tying in that we we like Brian, so uh, we're not gonna probably have him do every single podcast and have to watch every single game. So some weeks you're gonna get like a me or a Martin or a TJ who might not know as much. So. Um, just let us know what you guys prefer. If you like the weekly basketball, obviously we'll do weekly basketball. Um, but if you kind of like this random news dump after a couple days kind of podcast, we'll keep doing these because we just want to do whatever um, whatever content you guys like the most. But, uh, Brian, anything you want to say or have going on in your life that you want the people to know about? Um, man, I things are going well in Coeur d'Alene. That, that's the big thing for us. We had a ton of snow, which is fine for watching sports. Uh, but I just the more we do the podcast stuff, the more I realize, man, life is just better during football season. It, it is. We're in the dark six months right now. We we are. Um, hopefully, the podcast is here to help everybody with it. I will say that's, that's the one thing I loved is uh, last season still being able to talk football all the way up till we take a little break. Uh, in June, just because we obviously get really ramped up again in July. Um, but, yeah, it was really nice being able to talk football with you guys um, you know, all last season. Plan on doing it this season, having a little bit more structure, maybe some interviews. We'll see. Uh, we're working on spring content because right now, obviously, 
Brian and I have kind of hinted at that the men's basketball team is not the most exciting to cover right now, and especially fill, you know, your lives with an hour. But I, I had this conversation with Kyler real quick. Uh, we were talking about how, like, it kind of sucks now that football season's over because I'm a big podcast listener. Like, I started a podcast because I listened to podcasts. But when football season ends, all my podcasts I listen to are, like, football ones. So I, like, I wake up and I, like, walk to work and I don't know what to play. So I have to, like, go figure out what music I have saved on IT or Spotify. I remember where I have it. But I'm, like, usually I wake up and I'm, like, Big Sky Big Takes on Tuesday and you know, the Grizz fan, or Grizz fan pod on Tuesday and Big Sky Big Takes on Wednesday. Then uh, us on Thursday, I like to re-listen to it. Then I would listen to, like, the R&R on Friday and Hero Sports and FCS Fans Nation on Saturday mornings before the games. And it's like I had this whole, like, week full of when I listen to podcasts. So now I just, like, wake up and stare at my iTunes or my Google Podcasts and Spotify and go, like, who who's posted anything that I can listen to? Usually it's just us in the off season, but um, I miss it. But we're here, uh, and this is a really long extra. You know how to find Brian and I on Twitter. Um, you can find Brian at Brian Marceau. That's M A. Oh God, I can't spell M A R C E A U. There we go. I can spell it on the computer, not in my head. Uh, then me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for you guys. Make sure you. Actually, we never asked for this. Give us a rating um, because it really helps out the podcast, and we never ask you guys to do that. So if you've never done it, make sure you give us a rating because it really helps out the podcast. Share it with all your friends. But maybe most importantly, let us know News Dump or Weekly Basketball. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. It's time for the best band in all the land. Play us out. Sound of Idaho. Go Band. Go Band. Go Band.